Boys and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Clutch Conversations. It's your boy, Mike. We are back at you one more again, live on a Thursday night, man. How y'all doing? How you doing? How you living? How you feeling, man? Been looking forward to this all week. First and foremost, as always, shout out to my lovely wife, Sakara, for holding us down, keeping us organized, keeping the comments up, keeping us organized in the background. Really appreciate all the help. Appreciate everybody in the chat. We'll get to you in just a second. A little bit of housekeeping, though. Please hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you're not subscribed already. And everybody, make sure you hit that notification bell. Really appreciate the support. Definitely go check us out on all the audio platforms, or all the audio podcast platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. So wherever you check out your audio podcast. Make sure you go check out Clutch Conversations. And while you're there, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Really helps us out. Appreciate the support. Speaking of support, make sure you're supporting US Art and US Art Florida. The links for both organizations are in the description of this video. Make sure you go out there and support the folks that's supporting us. Get a membership, shoot some donations, do whatever you can do. But all the support helps. Tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend, tell a friend. Definitely show some support. Speaking of, let's holler at the folks in the chat. Let's see who we got. What's good, Keys? Hey, y'all make sure y'all, speaking of support, y'all make sure y'all go out there and you check out the homie, 15 Minutes of Lame on Snakes and the Fat Man. It is out now. It came out yesterday. Go check it out. I checked it out. It's dope as hell, and you know it was going to be, so make sure you go check that out. Show the homie some love. We got the guest showing love in the chat. What's good? What's good? Big Ray, Blade, let's fucking go. Let's go, bruh. Salute. The big homie Jason, what's good? Ancestral Royal Pythons. Holly, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Thanks for the support. See who else we got. The big homie Justin showing love. What's good? Blakers Pythons, what's good? The Sultan of Support, the homie Bosa. Kike, what's good, brother? Eric's More Factory, what's good? Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. We got the homie Rock in the building. What's good? What's good? Thanks for coming out, brother. Let's see who else we got. PCF Royals, what's good? What's good? Pied and J Reptiles, what's good? What's good? If it's your first time, please hit that subscribe button. We had like 950 something. We almost had a thousand, so help the fam out. Hit that subscribe button. Serp works. Appreciate the love. Thanks for coming out. Appreciate all the support, continued support, sharing us on Instagram and social media platforms. Really appreciate the support. Appreciate the love. 352 in the building. What's good? The big homie Brian. What's good, homie? Let's see who else we got. Mystery Morphs. What's good? What's good? 
Sweet Serpents Tampa, the homie Byron, what's good? Thanks for coming out. The homie Kent, what's good, brother? Thank you for coming out. Morph Master J, what's good, Johnny? The homie Levi, what's good? Windy City Morse, what's good? What's good? See who else. Make sure I don't miss nobody. Try to get everybody. RC Reptiles, what's good? What's good? I think that's everybody. Oh, the homie Chad, what's good, brother? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate the support. Alvaro, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming out. Appreciate all the love, man. The chat is going crazy. I really appreciate all the support. We got wifey in the chat saying what's up to everybody. Y'all make sure y'all show us some love in the, in, the, in the chat. The chat wouldn't be popping without wifey. So y'all make sure y'all show Takara some love in the chat. I'm going to stop it right there. We're going to stop on a high note. We're going to kick this intro real quick. We got something brand new for y'all. So here we go. you listen to me i got that flavor i know you're dying to feed i ain't no dancer just got some hip in my feet now throw your hands up Ooh, you bring the lighter i got the fuse you make a fire i'll add the fuel follow my lead just watch the shoes Episode 53, BNS Reptilia. Yes, Cheers. Cheers. Good, bro? How's it going? How's it going? Oh, Great. Doing well, man. Doing good. Cool, man. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. What you got going on? Nothing. Just trying to enjoy the night, trying to enjoy the weather. I'm waiting for some more warmer weather. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> warming up i'm tired i'm done with it we're done with the winter let's go yeah i was giving you a little bit of hard time all uh, backstage but yeah, it's like yeah uh, how was 83 today it's like uh, 70 now killing me killing me yeah but in the summer it'll probably be way better for y'all though like when that humidity pick up here and them temps up man it's crazy oh yeah it's much rather be up there so i was up there in pennsylvania in like june and it was it felt way better uh than it feels here in june so. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even when I was down there in September, it was it was still bumping, man. We were at a wedding outside, and it was just cooking us. <laughs> September, I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, I like it, but it's still hot. <laughs> yeah, it'd be hot, hot, and then it'd be humid on top of that, man. It just it don't take no prisoners, bro. It's just it's it got you. <laughs> like sometimes, man, the humidity would be so high, like you could walk out walk outside and like lose your breath a little bit just because the humidity is so crazy, bro. Yeah, yeah, you can't take deep breaths. You got to take shallow. You got to be real shallow. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Exactly, man. And so uh, real quick, man, introduce yourself for those who may not know, who may watch the video later. Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Uh, my name is Chris. Uh, I own and operate BNS Reptilia. Uh, we've been in that business hobbies for just about 10 years now. Uh, started about 2013, started as a hobby, and then over the last couple of years, just really turned into a business and really focused more on, you know, generating income and turn into an actual business. And then just instead of just paying for itself, actually becoming my job. So uh, we pretty much got to that point now where I'm just working part time in between that and the rats, you know, that's what we're doing. Um, we mo mostly focus on ball pythons, but do definitely like to venture out and mess with other species as well. Uh, blood pythons, boas, uh, pine snakes, bull snakes, Mexican black kings. Uh, trying to think what else. Maybe a few other things, but that's kind of like one thing. Every year I try to do a different like, you know, species or subspecies of some sort just to kind of, you know, keep entertaining myself. Something new to add to like the resume. Gotcha. Um, I saw uh, somebody had picked up like a blood python from you recently and yeah. they posted. It it too. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. dope. Yeah, she's beautiful. She is. She's nice. Yeah, she, she was just glowing. When that the sunlight hits them, man, the T positives, they're just like orange. They just, you know, they just they kick. Yeah. Gotcha. So outside of reptiles, uh, uh, what else do you like to do? uh you know uh i'd like to hunt that's a that's a big passion of mine uh archery that's a big deal um every fall you know through winter or whatnot archery hunt and just go through the season um okay. i take most of my time through there but it's tough it's not tough it's easy to delegate a little time to both but um you know because it slows down a little bit in the winter time you can't really ship much so but the fall gets a little tough but you know you make it work definitely okay so when you uh, hunt, is it all uh, bow and arrow hunting, or you uh, also yeah, shooting? mostly archery. Okay, mostly nice. archery. The archery season nice. starts first, and then it runs into the rifle and shotgun and all that. So, you know, if you don't if you don't get anything in archery, you can go out and shotgun or rifle, depending on okay. where you're in the state. So, you know, if so, then we'll go into that. And yeah, so it's all not right. just archery. I will use a gun too. Yeah. So, what are you hunting primarily? Like uh, deer. Mostly yeah mostly deer bear turkey mostly okay. the bigger game of pa yeah okay. Okay. No elk. yeah we're not we're not this far west out to get some elk out there gotcha okay. yeah, college, a little further out that way there is some you know you saying state college out, out a little further past it you gotta go out a little further past it but yeah you're not too far out it's okay that's what's up there, man. yeah man and it's beautiful out there it's, oh, it's it is. man like Yep. That's one of the most beautiful landscapes that I've seen. I posted it on my IG. Like I was just, bro, I was enamored with it, bro. Like real yeah. talk. Like it was just so dope. Like, I mean, the greens were so green. The mm -hmm. weather was so nice, man. Just the hills. Because you know, here it's like pretty much just flat everywhere, but not not yeah. there, man. It was like the mountains, man. Like I say, the greens were so green. It was it was just crazy, bro. I was just I was awestruck. I ain't gonna even lie. Like it was, I forget what the town is. Like Clearfield, I think it's Clearfield that's out there. I was out there about six years six years ago with the wife, and we stayed at a bed and breakfast, and went to a winery and stuff. This was pre kids and everything, you know. And uh, it, it was beautiful out there, like you said, just open, you know, all green, and just it, it's nice. Great country. Yeah, yeah. good footage out there too. Like good video footage. I wish I would have got more. I wish I had more time to get more. Like had I expected it to be like that beautiful, I probably would have like arranged it so i could like stay like another day or two just to kind of like take in like some of the uh some of the surroundings because i was there for work 
And so I was primarily focused on work like the entire time I was there. So I didn't really get to get out and, and do that much and, and get out and about. But had I known, I would have like scheduled some more time just to kind of get out and about and, and see it. And just de-stress and just enjoy the moment. Yep. Just like exactly. we talked about enjoying the moment, man. You know, besides all that stuff, uh, the rest of my attention goes to my two boys, man. You know, big, big on the family. So spend a lot of time with them. I'm home a lot with them while the wife works or vice versa. So, yeah. Nice. That's what's Thanks up, man. Yeah. Enjoying the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. They pass by quickly. They pass oh, yeah. by quickly. I got them out there in the rack. Before you know it. <laughs> I got them down here cleaning snake cages. We're putting them to work already. <laughs> like, it's funny. Like, we was talking about how quickly time passes behind stage. And, like, just thinking back on when my kids were small. Like, it, it seems like it was, like, just yesterday. But, and, but they grow up so quick. Like, my son, he's a junior. My daughter, she's a freshman. My son, like, 6'2", 6'1", 6'2". Taller than me, obviously. Um, my daughter's, like, my exact height. Like, it's just, <laughs> they just you grow remember, up so quickly. Remember bro. when they were, like, 9'1", or, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yep. like, I remember my son being, like, six months and, like, crawling up the stairs of this apartment we was at. Like, like bro, like. So it was like, like, hey, what are you doing crawling upstairs in six months? Like, why are you this advanced? <laughs> and then B, like, yeah, yeah, crazy times, crazy times. So uh, what inspired you to become a snake breeder? Like, how did you get on this path? Uh, it just, it, it always amazed me from day one. So when I was younger, when I was, I grew up, I own the house now that I grew up in as a kid. So like all the woods I used to run around in and catch snakes in and all the all the honey holes I used to ride my bike to as a kid and snatch snakes up with like I still I live in that house now and it's it's cool raising my kid there and so that's what kind of triggered the whole thing as a kid just growing up runs around through the woods snakes frogs turtles it didn't matter and uh, I just remember uh, catching gravid water snakes and uh, garter snakes in like er- like late May middle like early June. Um, after they come out of hibernation, they breed, I was catching them all gravid and I raise them and I'd watch them have babies. And I was just always like, man, this is great. You know, this is so cool. And I'd, I'd mess with them for a couple of days, maybe a week, see if I could get them to eat like a, a minnow from the stream for the, the water snakes or, um, the gar- garter snakes to eat worms and stuff like that. And then I would just let them go where I caught the, the parents and everything. So that always amazed me. And then, um, I remember finding eggs one time and then artificially incubating them and hatching them and hatching like ring necks out. And that thought that was really cool. And then from there, yeah, they've never just sparked my interest. And when I got a job, I had money of my own. So um, I kept my grades up and I acquired like, I think I was like 14 or 15. I had like 30 snakes, but they were all like different species. I had like some Burmese pythons. I had some boas. I had a pair of blood pythons. I had a bunch of crazy weird stuff, some iguanas. No, I wasn't really focused. I was just collecting a bunch of crap at that point, you know. And uh, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed it for a little while. And then I got into some trouble and got rid of, you know, everything. I had to liquidate the whole collection. And then uh, in 2013, a buddy of mine, you know, the B in BNS, he he came in. He's like, you know, my daughter wants a pet snake. And I, I haven't looked at snakes in, I don't know what, 10 12 years at this point in line, I looked online and I, my mind was just blown, like what it had come to in just that amount of time. And then the rest is history, man. We bought some baby bags. We bought a gravid female, hatched them, and then just went off to the races, man. 
did the whole Craigslist, buying up people's little collections, man. Been just there, done that. <laughs> in the beginning, and here we are. You know, we're a lot better. We got some good racks finally, you know. So it takes time. You, you just go through a process. So uh, uh, touch on that a little bit, the B in BNS. Um, that's something I wanted to ask, so it's, uh, it's great you brought it up. Uh, yeah, so touch yeah. on the B in BNS and, and what was behind that. So in 2013, like just for whatever we, I don't even know if we asked when we came up with the name. I think it was just still like hobby until like 14 or 15 when we actually had a collection of like, say like 60 or so. Then we were like, well, if we're going to do shows and sell these animals, we got to have a name, we got to have cards, we got to do something, you know. And 2016, it wasn't really huge, you know, the swag and everything. And just some of that stuff was just gaining traction and stickers and whatnot. So we had business cards and we did local shows, you know. Um, and it was just me and my buddy. It was the Jason Bracolic. That's where the B comes from. B okay. and then the S is Shelly. Bracolic. Bracolic, yeah. Bracolic, okay, gotcha. And then the S is Shelly, which is my last name. So it was just mm-hmm. the S. And then from 2014 till, I want to say right like as COVID hit, that that spring I started talking to um, um, Stuart. And uh, it was like, yeah, it was like March, right? And COVID hit. I had a, a an online interview with him about the whole um, branding and everything. Oh, you're talking about Blake? Yeah, the gentleman who did your your uh, okay. your stuff. And um, I was just like, you know, here and there. And I just, I didn't pull the trigger at the point in time. I wasn't ready yet. So I didn't brand until the following year. So that then I branded and we were BNS pythons for the longest time, but like throughout those years, I kind of went one way and ventured off into other species like the pine snakes, like some boas and the Jason, the bee and us, he, he had, he, he did his own, he went his own way and did his own business, but we always did the snakes together. So we did that for a few years, but as his business took off, he kind of faded away a little bit and focused on that. And I, I was, the snakes were always in my possession at my house. So mm-hmm. I was always more hands on with them, you know, and I was like I said, from a kid, I was messing around with them. So I always had a, a passion for them. You know what I mean? So I kept them in my place and um, he still comes over and, and does stuff. But when we rebranded, we went from pythons to reptilia. I didn't want to be the guy that BNS pythons and then he's selling you a boa or a colubrid. It's like, that makes sense. Make sense. so like you have a lot of exotics and you have a lot of reptiles. So I was like, well, reptilia, you know, that sounds pretty cool. There's a few of them out there. I like how it sounds and we went with it. Yeah. There's, um, that was part of the uh, reason we went with uh herp, you know what I mean? Instead, cause at first we was THC exotics and yeah. THC exotics, um, and we kind of like played off like the whole THC acronym and like the association with weed and stuff. But then like oh, yeah. as I started thinking about it more, I was like, I, I want I want this to be bigger. I want to be able to, you know what I'm saying, present this in multiple spaces. And so I kind of wanted to like pare back on that a little bit. And so uh, uh, THC actually stood for the Herp Collectors. And so I was like, we should just be the Herp Collectors. And then I talked with Blake and he was like, uh, probably just drop the, the the, just go with Herp Collectors. I was like, yeah, that it does make a whole lot more sense so uh that's where we went with it um yeah yeah. yeah, so it's interesting you say that yeah no absolutely it's definitely it's definitely fresh Uh, i like it i I like it yeah and then the colors was just something you know i was just like you know i don't you know i want to i don't want to be the same old every other color you know standard you know kind of like your orange you know that sticks out you know that that's you and so i'm like that seafoam green like that's it yeah i like that when you said it the other day i was like seafoam green i like that yeah, my, we'll never forget that. 
dude it's funny listen listen how i got all that color so we're up in the mountains and uh my uh, my brother-in-law my wife's brother he's like i don't know six two he's like i don't know 275 you know and he's just like he's a lumberjack just dude big dude like his hand his hands are huge he's he's a big guy and he had on a, a something about like i don't know i don't know how we got on the conversation but he had a seafoam green shirt on and i was just like oh, that's a that's a nice color and he's like seafoam green it wears me good and like I just <laughs> come there and like it's stuck in my mind and i'm like that's it like i gotta do that and then the orange i think just makes it pop you know yeah i had i had a lot of fun with the thumbnail because of the colors and like kind of the contrast yeah. and how they it pop like, i yeah. loved it i loved it i saw it and i was like whoa i showed my wife and i was like yes <laughs> yeah i had a lot of fun with that one so uh, definitely kudos awesome. man kudos <laughs> love it love it so um Let's go back to when you were young and you were uh, collecting the the snakes and stuff. So I imagine it was a bunch of animals out there. So what like really kind of like made you gravitate towards the reptile? What was it about the reptiles that attracted you to those more so than others? Or did were you attracted to reptiles more than others? I definitely was attracted to reptiles more than others. I mean, I think when I was really young, I remember having a cat and like dogs here and there, but I don't remember as strong of interactions as I remember like going out and physically catching like a bunch of garter snakes and putting them in a bucket and messing around with them. Like I'm sure I played with the dogs and I remember bits and pieces, but it was always the reptile interactions, the frogs I saw, you know, whatever I saw out. And it was just always an adventure to try to find something new. Like I'm always trying to trump that species. You know, I always I have a bucket gotcha. list. You gotcha. know what I mean? I still have a couple species in PA that I gotta get. But and like over the last couple of years, I'm <laughs> like Pokemon. Yeah, it's it's you know I know they're out there. I know they're out there. I just gotta get them at the right time. You know, and it's all about how much time you spend in the woods. I like to spend a lot of time in the woods and just you know be out there, just chilling Mother Nature. Gotcha. So out of the uh, species you breed or out of the species you keep, what all species are you breeding? Uh, we breed uh, um, every year. We tried, like I said, we try to breed a new species, at least one, um, if not multiples. Um, this year we're shooting. We will have uh, plenty of ball pythons. I don't think we're going for quite as many clutches. We hit, we did 36 clutches of ball pythons last year. Um, I think we're going to try to stay under 30, I think. I don't know as I look behind me. Um, and then uh, we got we got five different species of boas, but we're probably only breeding doomerals this year. And then we got uh, blood pythons. We got hopefully two litters of blood pythons. And then we should have uh, five clutches of pine snakes, different like subspecies, southerns, northerns, northern Mexicans, blacks, leucistics. And then uh, we should be doing Louisiana uh, Louisiana pine snakes. And then what else? Some bull snakes, some Mexican black kings. I think that's about it. I think that's what, all we're doing this year. So it's a, it's a healthy amount. It should be probably, if, if everything goes as planned and with numbers, we should be hitting total clutches. We should be right around 50 or under 50 between everything. So Chad touched on something here in this comment that, I echo these sentiments, right? So he says, when I listen to guys like Chris, I know I'm not a true reptile guy, just a ball python guy here, but damn, Chris knows a lot about a lot of species. Yeah, and, and I complete, I concur like 100%. Um, Doctor, I, like, I mean, I like reptiles. Uh, I'm learning more and more about reptiles and different species, but we're fairly new, right? We've been in it since 2020. So uh, we're coming up on like three years. Like 
uh, it'll be three years or like a month or so. Right. So we haven't been in it that long. I am learning more and more and more. And over time, I will have accumulated more and more knowledge. But right now, like nowhere near like the level like where where like you yourself is at and like other folks who like deal with a lot of species and been doing it for decades so yeah certainly kudos to you man like that's a lot and um that really kind of segues into my next question so which of those species that you breed which of those species is the hardest one to breed um up and thank you i appreciate that compliment by the way but i mean sure. just remember like i i I've been I've been in I've been going to reptile shows since I, in like the 90s. So like it, it definitely gains, you know, as the longer you're here, the more things you see and, uh, you know, you absorb everything and you, you gain that wisdom through time. A lot of it, you know, um, which one um, the, uh, up until this year, the Tarahumara mountain boas were my most uh, sought after uh, thing to get to, you know, uh, breed for me. I've been trying for the last couple of years and I don't know if it was a combination. I'm, I'm positive. It was a, a different, a combination of maturity, uh, food intake, and just taking, tweaking the temperatures a little bit. And each year, you know, these are things you got to learn and continue to process and really dial in until you figure out the species to, to get to breed for the first time. You know, you can, you can read all the books and everything you want, but your animals are, you know, you gotta, you gotta really learn it and tweak, tweak your temps. That, sure. that was that was that was a real a real good one and this year i really since none of the other boas were going none of my other species i really want to focus a lot of time on my duomerals because they've been throwing me for curveballs too you know they um they could have a gestation for four to nine months oh so wow like it's like holy you know your typical boa is only like 100 days 98 110 112 give or take give or, some are a little more or less but you never know with them guys so it you know it's definitely a challenge so but i'm really going to hammer down and focus on them and and then after this year if i can breed them i think i'm going to move on and let somebody else enjoy them and maybe pick up another another species and just start gotcha. on them you know keep keep that challenge. yeah i gotta keep something up for that next three years out i got you know something new to look forward to so gotcha 100 percent. so uh what's your favorite one to breed and then what's your favorite overall species which is not the well, same well, I haven't bred everything, so I don't have a favorite yet. I can't really justify that. Gotcha. Um, everything through everything I have bred in my collection, I believe the, um, I think the pine snakes are my favorite to breed. They're just, I don't know, they're just a different type of animal. They're, 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 they're just pretty wild when they breed. They're quite violent. They, uh, they literally like bite the female behind her head and like almost oh, wow. like it almost looks violent and carnage to a point but it's just what they do it's a it's a subduing thing and that's pretty kinky it, it is it's, <laughs> it's pretty damn pretty damn crazy i mean it's, it's it looks brutal sometimes like you hear it's body slapping and you're trying to figure out what's going on but it's just it's just them doing their thing that's how they that's how they ride hey whatever folks your boat yeah they're pretty wild they're pretty wild i'm not here to kink shame <laughs> yeah right how about it my other biggest challenge is like with the king snakes. I'm I'm paranoid with the king snakes that they're gonna eat each other. You know what I mean? The female's just gonna turn and be like, "All right, cool. I'm just you know, munch on them." So I haven't. I've never fed them snakes before. They've always been rat eaters. Uh -huh. So I'm curious if you know any stillborns or any animals that have severe kinks that have to be humanely euthanized throughout the breeding season in ball pythons or boas or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I know you can feed them to your king snakes, but 
are you running the risk of then maybe that female being more adapted to like going after the male then during breeding so does that happen sometime with uh breeding king snakes i'm not sure how often it happens with king snakes i know it happens in a lot of species um but uh i don't i'm not sure exactly which king snakes i'm sure some are more prevalent than others but i'm thinking just strictly mexican black kings gotcha okay uh, that's a good that's question cool. Yeah, I'd be interested to know. I'm have to <laughs> look into that. <laughs> what's what's that? Somebody just put up a good question. Uh, which one? The dream yeah. species, Master Johnny. So, do you have a dream species to work? I, I pretty much do, and it's probably I would say like ninety-five percent of most of the people out there dream species. I, it Bolins. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and uh, the Bolins pythons, man. Yeah. Uh, what about Bolin's attracts you? Why is that your dream species? I, I don't know, man. Just that the way they start out was just the, the the deep maroons and like almost reddishes. And just as they get to be adults, the deep, rich blacks and just how the iridescence, you know, and their heads, their heads just like they just look like just little bulldog pit bulls. Their heads are just broad and just beefy. Um, Kevin from Nerd does a lot of reels or ta uh, I think it's is it Tammy or? Uh, his girlfriend or whatnot on her channel handles a lot of the snakes. Okay. And she always she always has a monster bowlins on there and the thing is just incredible. It's just wild. Gotcha. Is uh the husbandry or uh keeping of the bowlins is that uh fairly challenging or or is it the bowlins? The bowlins. The bowlins. Um I I think it, it can be challenging. Um, they're still doing a lot of studies and research on it. There's ongoing research. There's a there's a guy who is very involved with it. I think his name's Irie, or I think it's is it Irie? I'm not positive that's his name. I have to look it up. But he was on a podcast before. He does a lot of research with them, and it can be challenging. Not very many people have gotten them to reproduce. Um, okay. Yeah, so it can be challenging. I'm curious to see um, what uh, Canova does with them because okay. he's got uh notably who has gotten them to reproduce in the states i believe kevin has from there kevin has okay i, I okay. believe so i'm not positive and there's probably a bunch of just quiet basement breeders like when i say that i mean people that just don't have social media people that just right. do it for the pure passion they don't even sell their animals they probably give them back to zoos and you know i've talked to many guys like that i'm trying to you know, right next to the Bolins is, you know, I, I don't want to try to make this a two answer uh, question, but the Jamaican boas. I, I, I haven't heard them. of those. Yeah, they're very highly endangered. Yeah, there's people in Arizona and California that breed them and have them, but you can't sell them across state lines. You have to be a state residence. Oh, wow. I hadn't even heard of those. Yeah, yeah. They're virtually wiped out because of the introduction of mongoose back in the island in Jamaica way back in the day. Okay. Pretty much, pretty much ate them all up. So do they differ uh, materially, uh, phenotypically from like your your standard boa? Uh, yeah, they're more of a boreal species. They get long and slender. Okay. Um, uh, mostly arboreal, but um, they go through the color change, octagonic, octagonic. How do you pronounce it? I always get tongue Antigenic, twisted. I think. Yeah, like the green tree pythons where they go from like red and yellow to green and whatnot. They kind of do a change like that. I really like species that do changes like that. I really okay, enjoy yeah, that. That's what's up. Yeah. That's not pretty cool. I had never heard of that. So I, um, yeah. I've learned a lot already. And we like 30 minutes <laughs> in, I already learned a bunch. <laughs> those are those are two definite dream species. I like them a lot. That's what's up.
So how is your, your your overall season going right now um, with the multiple species? How's everything going? Pretty good, pretty good. I think I have um, – oh, I know I have I have one definitely gravid female ball python, which a lot of the girls that didn't go last year or um, first-year girls that are just up to weight and being introduced to a male for the first time. Um, I think we have – I know one's definitely gravid, and then there's about maybe six to a dozen that are building real hard. Some are off food. Some are some are destroying food. Um, so it's going okay. Um, I'm slacking a little bit with parent. I don't I don't have a real system. I mean, I have planned pairings and I have male and female cards. If you look behind me, you can see the green and the pinks. That's my male and females. Um, collection's still relatively small. Adult wise, I maybe have. Uh, Maybe a hundred. So if it's a green and there's a pink on the same tub, there's a pair right and now. Paired, yeah. yeah, they're due to come out today, but like I said, I, I I'm, I'm slacking, so they won't come out till tomorrow. Um, but uh, I got maybe maybe 160 in the breeding collection between this room and then the colubrids are all in another room. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, how do you go about like selecting breeding pairs? Like when you are like, do you think through like a lot of your projects? Like, are you you got like long term goals? Like, like what's your thought process? Uh, we could talk about the ball pythons. We could talk about other species. We could talk about both. Okay. Yeah. The, um. So with the colubrids, um, the bull snakes. There's a lot of uh, like visual and recessive traits. Um. I believe all traits in bull snakes are recessive except for like say locality colors like there's a christmas mountain bull and there's certain bull snakes that have a real deep red color they'll call them like flame bulls or um there's a couple other names but it's like a lime bread trait basically just to get that intense reds in them and then um so i got a few of those that are visual and like multi-recessive so they're fun to breed because you hatch out a clutch of like 15 whacked out different looking things you'll have hypos you'll have exantics you'll have albinos you'll have white sides you'll have patternless you'll have you'll have all kinds of crazy things and multiple mixes of all those recessives in one animal oh, so wow. that's that's really cool to see um and they um that's neat i enjoy do i enjoy bringing those and kind of holding back select ones to get that visual appearance of what i want in my breeding stock you know what i mean um, so like those, I, I hatched like, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 to 30 bull snakes. I kept two back. So, you know, I wanted to keep another one, but at that point in time, I was drowning in babies and I really had to think logically and make the sale <laughs> instead of keeping it for my own greedy personal wants <laughs> and not needs. Got to keep um, them all. <laughs> yeah, how about it? Uh, the pine snakes have always been a passion of mine to breed. I always loved pine snakes, even from back in the day when in the nineties, when I like first got into, into like actually trying to breed snakes, uh, pine snakes. I just, I, I don't know. They just always had a passion. That's out on my bucket list. I really want to go to the Jersey pines and catch one in the wild. Like that is something I will accomplish before I die. You know? Nice. Yeah. Um, so those are enjoyable to breed and they, they sound pretty well. You know, um, so I enjoy taking them and selling them and they're a good revenue. So I count on them for revenue and maybe an occasional pullback here and there. And, and I enjoy them. That's the biggest thing. I really enjoy breeding them and, and getting them out and showing That's them. That's super people. important. Yeah. You know, um, and, and just to show like the size of a snake, like some people think like the garter snake in their backyard is like the only snake you'll see in this country. And then you pull out this 
eight foot northern pine snake that's just hissing or just huge and they're like what like that lives in jersey (laughs) so it's pretty cool um I, I, when I, when I sit down and go into breeding, I think about, I do a lot of things. I think about what, what will sell. Cause I do do shows. So I want to think of what's visually stunning, but I also want to think of what is, what is reasonably priced and will sell at a show as well as online, you know? Um, unfortunately this year, you know, there's, there's so many snakes out there in the market the market has come down a little bit, but snakes are still selling. I mean, they're not selling as fast. That's the only thing, you know, they're still selling. I just, just had a guy come by and pick up 21 snakes the other day. So like, you know, you, you just got to keep networking and just keep pushing it and, you know, get them out there and run specials. Just be creative. 21 hatchlings. Adult. Yeah, uh, no, he, what did he pick up? He picked up, um, I think like 18 or 19 hatchlings from the 22 season. Okay. Um, he picked up a juvenile holdback of mine that was, I think she was like 1,200 grams. I didn't realize she was that big. He picked up, um, what else did he pick up? Another adult female. I just kind of gave it to him because he spent a good chunk of change. He's a, you know, he's a good, he's a good customer. And, you know, you got to build that relationship with these people. That's, that's another real important thing. Not to, not to go off on another leg and stuff like that as, as to, you know, to get off what breeding plans, but Customer service is important, man. You got to take care of your customers. At the end of the day, man, you want those repeat customers and you want to be available for them. You don't want to just make the sale and kind of brush your hands. You want to give them as much opportunity as you can to reach back out to you, to questions for care for that animal, you know, anything, future purchases, whatever it might be. That's, That's all part of the sale, whether it's a $40 snake going to little Bobby at a show, or if it's a $2,500 snake going to Mike and Herb collectors, like you still got to be there, you know, for that customer, especially if it's their, you know, a, a first or second snake. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that. Like mm-hmm. don't just try to make the sale and, and feel like you're done with them. You ain't got to like talk to them or answer their questions, like any of that stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm huge on customer service. I come from uh, a customer service background. And so that's just something that's always important to me. And not only that, I've been, I've been on the other side as a customer, right? All the time. And so like, that's something I value. Like I want someone to treat me. And so I try to treat people the way I would want to be treated because people don't have to spend their money with you. Like at the end of the day, they don't. And so for them to spend their money with you, um, that's an honor, right? Because they can allocate their money anywhere. You know what I'm saying? And so like, why would you, why would you take advantage of that? Why would you not appreciate that? You know what I'm saying? And then even if they don't buy something like, I'll talk to people and build a relationship. You never know where that relationship will go. You never know how that'll help that person. And so if I can, like, uh, I'll talk to you as much as I can. You know what I mean? Like, it don't have to just be because you've bought something, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's important, you know, especially at the shows. Have you vended yet? I have not. Um, I want to tag along with somebody uh, this year for, like, one or two shows. Cool. Uh, but I have not vended yet. Uh, it'll probably be 20. I mean, realistically, it'll probably be 2024 before we vend. Uh, a, uh, before we have the inventory to, to uh, justify vending. Right, right, right. And then B, I, like I said, I want to tag along a couple of times uh, at a show. Definitely, um, definitely do a ride along. Definitely do a couple of ride alongs. And yeah. Yeah. So Get your feet learn right. the ropes. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely learn the ropes. So speaking of shows, what shows are, um, have you done? 
Uh, around our area, we have um, we have a, a Oaks show, which is at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center. It's um, I want to say it's out near Pottstown, I believe, in that area, I think. Um, Oaks PA, it's a huge event center. They have a bunch of different halls. Uh, they have an OK show. Um, and then there's one in Gettysburg, which is about two hours from me. Um, they are uh, that's a good show. It's been getting bigger and bigger. Um, we got two of them coming up in March. And then we have Hamburg, which is uh, about an hour hour from us. Um, I don't vend that one. That one is, um, I don't know, it's gone It's gone a little south in the last couple of years. Like there's just been some stuff there. Like if I know I need to meet somebody or say pick up some heat panels that you can't buy online, there's always a guy there. I'll, I'll talk to one of my buddies that has a table and I'll just, I'll get a vendor badge. I'll jump in early, go get my heat panels, do whatever I got to buy. If I got to get a different colony of mice or a different colony of NSFs, uh, you know, I'll do all my shopping and then when they open the doors to the public later, like I'm out of there because it's just, yeah, it's a mess. I'm home by 10 a.m. I still have a whole day ahead of me. You so know? what exactly is a mess about it? Well, the they don't, she doesn't really like screen people that come in there. It's like a Hail Mary. Like I, there's been multiple times where I've, I remember the one time I, I had, I bought an ammo from somebody and I quarantined it and you know i i from from back in like 2014 man i don't know what it was but somebody was like don't buy from this guy he's he's got he's he always has an issue with mites well if you look at his table you know when you go to shows you look at people's tables if somebody's got the bright lights and the acrylic displays and they have just ball pythons on there you're like 95 percent pretty clean that they're not going to have mites because they're just working with captive bred ball pythons like that's all they have when you walk to that guy that's got like three tables with like 40 different species in deli cups, you know, all different things scattered through his table or like, you know, wire netting across it, you know, typically they're an importer or they have, they do breed ball pythons, but they import as well. And, you know, that's what he was, one of those guys. And I was told yeah. to just stay away from his animals back in the day. And now fast forward eight years later, I see an animal I like my meet him at the hamburg show and i get it and sure enough i bring home quarantine and it had a couple mites on it whether or not it had mites on it when he brought it to the show it had mites on it when it was on his table so it came from something if it didn't come from your ball python collection it came from all your import crap that's on your table you know sure. it, 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 i brought i i picked up four animals at that show and the other three had nothing on them they were still quarantined but they had nothing on them so like come on man you know and it is what it is. Like I, I, I called him out on the sale and whatnot because it's just not right. You know, you you people spend a lot of money on these collections, and you think you spend a couple thousand dollars on an animal like that you shouldn't have to worry about shit like that. But it just goes to show you that's why you need to quarantine and sex every animal you get. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like I quarantine every single thing that comes in the house. Every I single thing from you, it's going in quarantine. No, you know, no harm, no foul to you. It's just yeah. How it's I, I would want you to. I would want it's you to. Gotta be. Yeah. I mean, I get a snake from a big time, well known breeder. It's, it's got to spend in a quarantine room. It's got to spend some time. It's got to spend it some time in matter. quarantine, man. Yeah. I don't care how bad you want to breed it. It's got to spend some time in quarantine. You're taking a huge risk, and I know a lot of people that don't care. You know, they'll buy a snake, and right away it's in pairing, or it's you know, it, it's it's risky, man. It's really Russian roulette, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you might get away with it for a long time, but it might be that one time you don't get away from it. 
you don't get away with it and then boom your whole collection got issues i'm guilty of it from back in the day of adding stuff before i knew better but as i started to invest thousands of dollars in animals it becomes very you know irrelevant that that's what you need to do yeah I caught mites uh, with an animal that I picked up from a show. Uh, caught it like immediately, like when it was in quarantine, and so like that was just an early lesson, right? Okay, yeah. That's something you don't want to deal with. And then I that the hamburger, like I won't even touch people's tables when I go. Like I stand a foot off the table, nothing. I come home, I take them clothes off outside on my back porch. Like I strip down naked, man. I come in the back door, and you know I I can't, I cannot, I can't deal with it. I have everything on cocoa. Could you imagine the headache of of changing? 250 animals and you know the whole place nah i don't even want to yeah. think about it man it just bugs me out mm-hmm. yeah like that'll be draining as hell <laughs> who got the time for that shit no Mm-mm. especially no. with everything else going on like that's nope. when it, it, it can be prevented yeah imagine having mom imagine having uh mom's pregnant fertile on eggs and you got to treat them and change their bedding and your plans and uh, yeah it's it's brutal somebody did a good video on that though about like breeding while treating i think it was gavin from balls to you i think he did a good video on like still continuing to breed your animals but treating for something with mites you know like a, a breakout or something happened it was pretty good definitely check it out yeah well what was he saying about it uh, it was just like the process to go through with it that you can do it and the stuff you can use. But a lot of the stuff that they were using, a lot of that, um, the spray, the um, frontline, yeah, the frontline spray, like you can't get it, you can't put, you can't get your hands on it anymore. Yeah, I heard they discontinued it, right? But yeah, they discontinued it. Some people were saying they get it from Europe and stuff like that, but why did they discontinue it? Like, they was going out of business or was it something fundamentally wrong with it? Know. It was a product and it, and it worked. I don't know, it's something. <laughs> It was probably some stupid regulation or probably something in it that like caused a local turtle to die and unfortunately that is horrible but i mean it could be something who knows you know i don't know i mean it, it killed him instantly so i'm sure it couldn't be that great for the environment or stuff but it never seemed to affect any of my animals when i used it in treating things but I only used it if I had like I knew I had a breakout you know that one time that's the only time I really ever used it so at the front line, was it uh, directly applied to the snake or do you apply it to like their environment or both? You can apply it to the bedding, but I would just apply it to a towel and let the snake run through it. And then I would put them on like paper towel newspaper. And then I would also do um, in their tub, I'd also do the preventamite spray it on there and let it air dry for like 10, 15 minutes. So anything that typically should crawl off of the animal will touch that preventamite on the sides and die before it gets yeah. out of the bin or whatnot. Um, and then wipe the snake down with that on paper towel. And then in a couple days, do the same thing again, pull the bedding out. You don't really have to treat the tub again. Cause that the, the Pam is good for like 30 days, I think. But, um, in two weeks I would do like a complete change out. Cause that's kind of like the cycle or 21 days, something like that's a cycle. I forget the full cycle. So you want to make sure, you know, you're killing everything throughout every cycle. So. Gotcha. You can't be like, I don't think you can be, I mean, you don't want to treat every day. That's not going to be healthy for your animal, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And you said you got about 200 reptiles? 200 um, I think in the breeding colony, we're anywhere from like 160 to 200, give or take. Yeah. And yep. that's all species or? Yeah, that's all pythons, boas, blood pythons. Okay. That's everything. Gotcha. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. 70, 75 right in those two racks. And then I got a VE over here with maybe like 15 or so. And then I have a bunch of hatchlings and holdbacks. I have like holdbacks from last year and this year. I have about 54 of them. And then I still have about, I'm still at about 80 hatchlings, I think, from this year. But that's that's considerable considering we hit about 300 hatchlings this year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was bonkers, man. That's a lot. And I was working full time. It was nuts. It was that's nuts. A lot. That's like a lot. I was when I started pairing for 22, I was only working part time. So I was like, yeah, everything is breeding. Like I'm, I'm making, I'm getting everything. You know, I, I did the Tarhar Marns bread. I was like stoked on it. And then like, I'm like, wait a minute. Like I do not have the room for all these hatchlings. What am I doing? And then like the incubators just started filling up and I'm like, all right, here we go. So I had like portable tables in here with hatchlings. I still have like one portable table in here with hatchlings stacked on it. I don't know if you can see it, but it's like, uh, we ran out of room real quick. So I got just a few things. Um, we're in an 11 by 11 room now, but we're going to, um, we're going to move to the other side of the basement where the colubrids are eventually at some point. Cause we're going to have like, we'll probably have like 12 to 15 by like another 15. So we're going to have a lot more room and that's going to pretty, ha that's pretty much going to have all the, all the warmer species, so to speak, subtropical species. And then the colubrids will probably come into this room because I actually have windows in this room so I can brewmate, chill everything out in this room and don't have to pull them out of their cages and move them all around. Cause now I got to pull them out pack them in the corner of the basement they got a roommate for three months so so did you say uh so you're working full-time now or are you back to part-time now i'm back to part-time now back yeah. to part -time now. so what's your uh, routine looking like now dude it's everywhere dude my routine is messed up the only thing consistent imagine is two with a small <laughs> dude the only thing that's consistent is wednesday and thursday i work that's the only thing consistent i mean i shouldn't say that like every mondays i do well, every Mondays I have a consistent rat flip over. I pull all my moms and pups. So I breed, I breed about 1200 to 1500 rodents as well. Yeah. I want to touch on that as well. Yeah. So it, it, um, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's a schedule, but it's not like anything ironed out. Like I don't feed Tuesdays and Sundays. I have multiple different species and they have different feeding regimens. Um, females that are building, that are breeding have a different food regimen than a female that's not going to go this year. You know, everything has a different food regimen in my collection. So basically I have alarms in my phone. It's kind of like a, my own husbandry pro alarm. It just alerts me when what species should be fed. That makes sense. I, yeah. Huh? I said, that makes sense. Yeah. And do I always feed it on that day? No. You know, sometimes I'll skip a meal. So they'll get to push a meal out. It won't be compounding meals. So that's kind of how I go. And, and with the rats, I just go out and euthanize what I need and fresh killed. I just come in. I could easily fresh kill a hundred rodents and just come in here and just bang, 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 and just feed them all. But I'll do like adult bowls one day and then a week I'll do, you know, some on a certain schedule weekly, I'll have some on a 10 day schedule. And I'll just try to hit it the best I can and adjust to that species. If I know it's something building, I'll, I'll double up on it or I'll feed it every four days or something like that. You read my mind. That's what I was about to ask. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So I watched a female. If I know it's a younger female and I see her build and I see her really going through motion after she locked. And even if I ultrasound her, which I'm really slacking on, I'm like two months behind on ultrasounding. So the girls I did ultrasound that were at 13 are like ovulating now. 
you know, they fall into about that three month time range from when they hit like 15 mil. So if I see them in the cycle and I see them at like 25 and they're just destroying food, I make note of that and I'll put them on like a four day, two small rats. And I just, I drill them because from the time they lay then through summer, I don't feed a lot. I very, very feed. I feed rarely. I feed maybe it's like when they bounce back, they'll get like eight, 10 meals, like weekly, five days that they'll get it packed on. And then they go to like every 10 days, two weeks. Sometimes they'll go for three weeks, but I'll definitely feed them, but I don't feed them nearly as much as I feed them in the breeding season. Gotcha. And come, you know, come like December, January females that I see that need more weight, even September, I'll start pounding them a little bit more then. And it's easy for me to do that because I have the rats right here. So I right. can adjust accordingly. And I think that's that's clutch with having a collection like this and different species. You can really adjust like that. And I I think that really helps with breeding as well. Gotcha. You know, creating that food, you know, that food, not that food drive is there, but fulfilling it, letting that female know, hey, food is here. Okay, food is plentiful. Food is bountiful. I can continue going through all this stuff. Yep. This male keeps visiting me. You know, it's time. We're going to make babies. And I, I, I solely agree on that. You know, the longer days, the misting. Yeah. All that storms come through. You know, I paired. We had a storm the other night and I paired earlier in the day. We had a storm that night, that morning. I bet you there was two males that didn't lock out of like 15. You know, it was just it, it's wild. You, you know, you just got to just got to give them what, what would be happening in, in their hometown, you know. <laughs> you got any trick uh, other other tricks for uh, getting your males to lock? Like I uh, heard people like putting the sheds in or putting another I, male in the bag, stuff like that. You do any of that? I don't. I I haven't really had gotten to that point where I was like so so hard up that I needed to get like a male to lock. Like this season, I'm on the edge of trying some things because there's a male <laughs> I really want to do some work, and he's <laughs> I don't I want to be polite, but he's he's being a little bia. Like, you gotta I play get, from Barry White, man. That does it every time. Something I don't know, <laughs> but um, I, I gotta I want to try a different female too and see if maybe it's just the female I'm trying. He is, he's, I'm trying with two females. He is smaller. He is a new male, so it's it's nothing I haven't experienced before. But it's something we as breeders go through every damn season. You always have that one or two male that you really want to provide produce a clutch for you, and you're like. He just won't breed. And then all of a sudden, it's like the light switch goes on. He breathes in. And he'll breed when he's ready. You're never going to force an animal. But you can do tricks. You can try to promote that. So I think um, I think with him, I might try to, but I haven't had to. I'm very big on backup breeders. If anybody has too many males, it's this guy. Like, I, I seriously, man, I have way too many males. I must have five to ten males that aren't breeding this year. They're just taking up space. But they're backup males. They were here in case the little guys didn't want to breed or just couldn't breed all the females I had in the roster. And now every female's kind of got to visit through a male, so I have a good idea of what's going on. I'd like to have extra females because there's always there's always going to be something, no matter how hard you plan, no matter how hard you try to stay on track, there's always going to be something in your collection that you're like, oh, man, I wish I had another female. This would have been a great pairing or something like that. So, so how do you uh, kind of like – Get your backup meals. And, and what I mean by that is like right now I got like one real like true, true backup meal, right? So I got um so I got my primary meal in my DG Clown project right now is a inchy leopard yellow belly, desert goes head clown, right? So that's my primary male, but he's the younger of the two. He's about probably about 
750, 800 grams. Now he'd been doing pretty good. Like this is his first season. He'd been doing pretty good. But then I have a desert ghost head clown male that's a lot bigger, older, and he's also locking up, right? So in fact, at the beginning, um, when I was locking up girls in that project that I wanted to produce uh, babies with, I've been using him a lot. And like, so that male that I just said, the first one, the primary male, I'm kind of using him as a closer um, now that he's locking, right? And so like, in my mind, that's kind of like my true, true backup male because it's like backing up that project. But for my other backup males, they're not necessarily males in that exact same project and they can't help push that specific project forward as much as like, you know what I'm saying? Like the primary male, if that makes any kind of like sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So are your males, like your backup males, are they in that same project or are they like something totally different? And you just decided to go a different way with it this year. Most are, most are closely related. I try to keep them closely related. Um, some may not be like I'm, I have, I have one, two, I said, I think I have three or four males that are not really related to any projects that have come uh, like fourth total, you know, all the way through. Yeah. Like I have females that are growing up and I have males that I think I want to use for that project until I create something new. I'm not going to let go of that male. Um, but as far as males that are breeding, I do try to relate to the project. So for the hypo clown project, I have a double visual male pastel hypo clown and then i also have a visual clown but he's multi-codom um head hypo so you know this year i produced a lot of visual hypo or um not a lot i'm sorry i I produced visual clowns 100 head hypo because i had i had heads as well i had a head clown and um so I get the visuals with the head hypo. So I so I'm building that side of it, but with the other male, I'm building the other side of it. I'm building the visual hypos head clowns and trying to work the project that way. So gotcha. that's kind of where that backup comes into play. One year I'll breed double visual. Like last year I bred into a couple of females. So this year I'm breed the other one that's not visual hypo to some of the visual hypos. So mix it and match in. And I did the same thing with the desert ghost. I have um I didn't really use my single gene desert ghost, but I used the double visual desert ghost hypo um to make a bunch of double heads last year but i'm not really using them a whole lot this year i'm being very selective with them this year because i made a lot of my heads last year so you know and that's peeling away at that and then he's he's still going to be used for other projects but um he's a seasoned male so i really don't have a backup in that aspect of you know for him the younger females is where i tend to have like you said that your younger male is the multi-gene male and your backup, well, your primary male was your bigger, just the visual head. Um, for me, it's usually my my smaller male. Well, no, it's not about it. The smaller male is usually your primary male, but the backup male is always the bigger, less, you know, whatnot. But right. I definitely try to keep it focused on the project, you know. Gotcha. It can be tough, though, you know, like you said, if you don't have that male. You, you got to somehow try to tie it in and, and think, like, what else would go good with that project if you really want to use that female. Yeah, that make perfect sense. Yeah. Right now, I got a Cypress Spectre double-hit hypo clown male who I would love for him to lock up because I really want to make um, some Cypress Spectre hypo clowns preferably, but I would even be happy for like a Cypress hypo clown. Uh, but he just right. won't do anything, bro. Yeah. And you're positive you positive male. You popped them. You got sperm plugs. Yeah. yeah. Semi-peens look like. Are they like bright red and gorge? Yeah. They just yeah. Say again? 
are they are seventeens real weak or are they like bright red and big and engorged? Bright red, big. They, are, like, they, they look, look pretty good. They look pretty healthy. Um, in my opinion, like yeah, yeah. I mean, I know of all the tricks. I've heard all the tricks. Um, I I tend to leave my my bins a little bit more soiled during the breeding season. I'll leave urates in there. I won't leave nasty poo or you know molded poo or anything. But I'll leave remnants of urates. I'll leave moist cocoa in there from urates and stuff like that. So that when I do pair. I leave shed skins in there. I'll spray the shed skins down. So I help. I think I feel like that helps trigger some males to want to. Yeah, breed. I've heard people say breed them dirty, feed them dirty. Like I, I've, I've tried a good bit with him because uh, one of my males, he just kind of stopped locking. Yeah. But then I put the female in his tub and he started locking. Like when I put the female in his tub, like for whatever reason he stopped locking in the female tub. Like he was like just like a an avid breeder like he would go right in there and lock up so i was a little surprised when he stopped locking but once i put the female in his tub like he locked right up with him and same you, know, you gotta come to my crib yeah same female? Like, say again the same female yeah yeah okay. well, he, was, he, was just tired. he was just tired yeah. of <laughs> yeah like he's he's locked with multiple females in his tub but it was the same females that he had locked with prior but stop blocking with like you ain't like with nobody. But when I put him in his tub, you're like, all right, it's on. And and yeah. that's awesome. That's the thing, man. Like it, it, always try things. Like don't always use the conventional males. Got to go with the female tub. That's just what everybody does. But that's not what you have to do. If, right. if it works the other way, do it. Like it, it's all about your style, man. What works for you. And so you know, I was happy true. about him like continuing to lock up. And so I tried the same thing with that uh, double head hypo combo male. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing. He don't. He don't care. He don't care if he at her house, she at uh, his house. I mean, all the tricks like put um put the more mature male on a bag with the female and the younger male in the same cage. Use a shed skin from another male. Uh, pop another male. Wipe the sperm plugs on the back of the female of the, the female you're trying to breed. You know, those are multiple things I've heard. Move the female around in the rack a little bit. You know, change the male's bedding. Take them for a car ride, ship them to a friend. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, you name it. You, you can, there's so many things that people say you can do, you know? Yeah, I really want him to produce a clutch for me and, and hopefully he gets it together. Hey, I, I do it, man. Make a video on it. Bust the myths, man. Do everything. Break it down <laughs> and ship that thing down to ship that thing down to Keys for like a week or so and ship it back up and, you know, or try everything else before you ship it, you know? But yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Got to, got to do something, bro. Got to do something. So, uh, speaking of the rodents and stuff, or going back to the rodents, I, I should say, what all species of rodents are you breeding? Right now, I have majority of rats. I have two colonies of ASFs. Um, I have all my rats in one big shed, a ten by twenty shed. Um, they was working out of an eight by fourteen. Then I upgraded as soon as COVID hit. I spent way too much money on the business, but it was what I wanted to do. You know, it was kind of like my kickstart. You know, I, I pulled a, I pulled my 401k out. I bought a shed. I bought four ARS racks. Like that was the first year of the business. So I dropped some serious coin because I had write off and I wanted to, I wanted to be able to do this a lot more professional if I'm trying mm -hmm. to make a professional income out of it. So I'm like, well, I'm diving in. If I'm going to be home, you know, all these hours, Who's that? Oh. <laughs> if I'm putting in all these hours, I want to make sure like it's going something to benefit me, you know? Um, 100%. So, 
so like that's 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 when we jumped into it but the old shed that the eight by eight by 14 i'm going to turn that into a uh, mouse and a uh, mouse and asf shed so i want to try to cover all three because i like to have everything on hand you know when you're hatching two three hundred animals you're gone when you imagine 50 animals you're going to have some that are only going to want mice their first couple meals some that might take asfs some might that might take rats right off the gate so like i want to be you have a rodent of choice like the preferred rodent to feed rats they're the easiest yeah they're they're i'll agree with everybody they're not the healthiest thing for your animal but they're the easiest produced and um just easy, easiest to manage. You know what I mean? They produce well under a lot of conditions. They're not finicky. You know, it's what I have the best luck with. Um, I think ASFs are better nutrition for them, um, but they're just, they're harder for me to keep, at least at this point. Maybe I haven't kept enough, but um, I haven't, I haven't personally seen the pros and cons, but if you think about it, and ASF has a lot more bone structure, you know, it's, it's more protein or a lot of rats have a lot more fat on them. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, I can definitely tell the difference between my snakes that eat pretty much exclusively ASFs mm-hmm. and the ones that eat like exclusively Norwegians. Yeah, but that's why I don't feed heavy. Like I don't feed even Norwegians heavy. Like, well, I, you know, what I mean, I only feed them heavy when I know they're breeding and cycling. I don't just feed them heavy and hope they're going to cycle. Like I want to see signs. Show me that. Show me your You know, because they don't. They can get obese. You know, there are some obese snakes out there, and we don't know yet kind of like what the history is of obesity and reptiles. I don't think, I mean, we know all their organs enlarge and we know they go through some sort of stress, so to speak, as they digest and eat, but how much of it do we really know? Like what's the long-term effect? Right. Have we fed a snake every four days for 10 years straight compared to a snake? Have we fed once a week for 10 years straight compared to one snake we fed 14 days for 10 years straight? You know what I mean? Like we don't know long-term effects and you know, you can't decide on that. So I, this year I went with a whole different regimen and, um, I got a couple ASF colonies and I feel that my success rate was 95% better getting hatchlings to eat their first one or two meals with an ASF hopper, as opposed to a rat fuzzy pup. Gotcha. Clearly. And that's, that's how I'm going to, that's how I'm going to ride out the rest of my years. If, if I can provide that it, whether it's ASFs or mice, they're going to start on a hopper like an ASF or a mouse. It just has its eyes open that can bounce around a little bit. Not a, not a rat fuzzy that's, or pup that's doesn't have its eyes open. It's just like a big warm slug. You know, it's like, it's like a pat of butter. (laughs) With the Norwegians, uh, what size colonies are you running? And what's like the average litter size? I have two ARS racks that run um, 32 bins each. And I run a 1.4 in each bin. Okay. So I run a maternity style. So the whole one side of my shed is all breeder bins. Well, the majority of that will, the whole one side is definitely breeder bins. And then the other side has um, a breeder bin and a grow out bin. And then I have the two ARS racks that hold 32 each. So I have 64 tubs of 1.4. And then I have 5, 10, 15, 20. I have 24. 27 tubs of 1.5 breeding colonies and then i run um 148 maternity tubs 
So I roughly pulled 33 to 35 miles with babies a week. So every Sunday I'm going, I, you know, pull all the old weans, smalls, clean, get ready for the new moms. Monday, pull all the moms that have uh, pup, uh, usually weans, but they're like big pups to weans, pull about 33 of them, put them all in a big colony to grow out for the next week or sell off. I'll sell weans here and there. So I also sell all the rats on the side as well. All these rats don't just feed my collection. Okay. So, so a good amount has another income too. Um, and then uh, the cycle just continues. Every three weeks I'm pulling 33 some miles with babies out. And then in between just cleaning tubs and doing the cycles. Everything gets a dry erase chalker with the date uh, chalk. So like every, every month I try to rotate like in the 32 females, fresh females. I have to rotate to keep my females fresh every year. I have to rotate like 32 a month. So I try to breed females for a year and males and then i retire them i want to try to get that down to like 10 months because they produce a lot better for the first like nine to ten months but i, I catch up you're constantly playing catch up you know as many rats as i produce all of a sudden joe down the street needs a hundred more weans this week and it's like god damn it those were all my holdbacks to grow out so yeah damn it, joe <laughs> yeah, yeah so i have a i have a big grow out tub that i i try to pull as many as i can a week i always i always send males out as feeders first and i always have females left over so i always have at least 100 females on hand but um i i try to rotate them that way and then i just use their date so like if females go into rotation this month they're 223 or 3 323 um if it's a male put in breeding he's 323 but he's a different color males are always blue or green females are pink purple whatever color marker i have gotcha and yeah i date their tubs when i clean them and then as i pull them so i say for three three moms my average litter average litter i would say is like a dozen 10 to a dozen okay so every week i'm pulling three to four hundred babies give or take pinkies fuzzies whatnot nice and then they go into the maternity bin with the mom her date goes on the maternity bin and how many pinks we're in that glitter. So as I pull and I go through the cycle, I know that's what week I pulled them. And then yeah, just keep going with it. Change the number on the tub with females and keep going. You use the same bedding with all of them with uh oh that uh, dark. Yeah, my love my <laughs> timer went off in here. <laughs> going to bed, we're keeping them up. <laughs> oh good. I knew it was gonna happen too. I saw my I saw my quarantine room shut off and I'm like, oh this light's gonna go out soon. <laughs> Um, yeah, I use, um, I use, uh, the snakes. I use all cocoa. Um, I will use paper if I need to, but I, I pretty much strictly go all cocoa cause I am a distributor for cocoa, which we can touch on later too. Um, but with the rats, I use all, um, pine. I get like a, uh, it's like a four foot tall bag by like two foot by a foot square. It's a huge bag. It's like, it says 3.25 cubed, but Cube. it's, it's gotta be bigger than that. It's huge. So I don't know, whatever. I use it. I get like a dozen at a time, and that lasts me like two to three weeks. I get a pallet of Missouri every five to six weeks. So okay. I, I sell to Missouri too. So anybody in like the PA, tri-state area. I got the hookup. I got the Missouri. <laughs> I got, it. I got the pine shavings. I got the cocoa bedding. I got your snake. I got your rats. What do you need? <laughs> I'll let your boy. <laughs> so what's some of the big challenges uh, that you face with breeding your rodents? Oh man, the time rodents are a bitch. They, um, 
I, I seriously, man, there's been times where I just want to go out there and burn the whole shit down. You know, <laughs> as bad as that sounds, yeah, dude, there's mornings I wake up and just be like, you know, just like Eminem and Dre stood next to a burned down <laughs> house, you know, just chilling. Um, yeah, I wouldn't even call it if I just let it burn. Um, I it just, it, you know, escapees, man, I had a racket out and it got loose like outside of the shed so in the summertime i like to open the doors and let the fans run the shed just run airflow you know you don't need air conditioning unless the humidity is like 90 then i, I have a mini split in the rat shed so mm -hmm. they're large they have air conditioning they have heat like they're ready to go so um, this one got out of the ars right no this got out of one of the homemade racks so i have okay. three ars racks in that shed and i have a bunch of homemade racks that i built from okay. way back in the day with mason tubs Somehow they got out and then, oh, no, not somehow. I know exactly how they got out. I was pulling a bunch of babies one week and I stepped off my stepladder and kicked the bin and like 50 weans went running. And I didn't have my walls put up yet. I had just insulation. So some got stuck in the insulation. Some made it out of the shed. I got most of them. I hunted some down. Fast forward, I still didn't put my uh, my drywall up. So nothing was really active in there. And then... um like fast forward four months and I started like catching a couple in traps and I'm like, Oh great. What's going on here. And then they started chewing water lines and man, I'll tell you what, dude, I went through about 150 foot of water tubing in like three weeks. I was going crazy, Mike. Damn. I was coming home from work and like just stressing going into my rat shed because of every night I'd shut all my valves off. So they wouldn't drain the reservoirs, five gallon buckets. I'd shut all the reservoirs off. They chew the lines up. I'd come home, replace all the lines, turn all the rats' water off. So now my rats are suffering because they're without water for like 12 hours overnight while this bastard's running around chewing my water lines. So I finally I got drywall up. Well, then he chewed his way out of the drywall, dodging traps, dude. I had glue traps, I had snap traps, I had poison out. Rats are smart, man. They oh, are elegant, especially when they know you're hunting them. Mm-mm forget it they'll, they'll get you so finally i was like you know what i can't do this well oh, I, my brother was up hunting we came he we came in from hunting and i'm like man i gotta get this rat so we snuck in there early morning and sure enough there was one out in the back of the rack and i smoked them with the pellet gun and i'm like all right sweet i got him then two days like nothing i'm like all right cool great third day chewed water lines i'm like you gotta be kidding me like i'm done that's when i was burning it down and uh so finally, I'm like, I set my alarm in my phone every hour I got up and I went outside and I went out with my pellet gun and a flashlight and I flicked the light. I left the hole open. He was coming out of and I would turn on the light and I spotted him on a rack and I packed the hole, got him with the pellet gun and ended it. So it's a lot less stressful when you don't have rats loose. <laughs> it's super time consuming. I put in about, um, I'd say, easy 12 to 15 hours a week. Three to four days a week, if not more, I'm in there doing something. Whether it's and are you the only one working with the rodents? Yeah, I'm the only one that does the rodents. So I got a I got a young I got a young bull that's uh, been helping me at shows and coming over every now and again. He's got a couple snakes, but he's still in high school. He's going to college, but you know I'm looking looking for somebody young to come over and like you know work with the rats, earn his keep, clean some dirty tubs. So we're always putting it out there until my boys are old enough. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta look for that labor somewhere, you know. That's my worst fear is like knocking over the rodent container or dropping yeah. it or just doing something crazy. Like just because 
I do crazy shit sometimes. Like just just crazy shit just happens sometimes, and that's like my worst fear is knocking over. Oh yeah, man! All of them running everywhere. I'm like, ah man, that that would be terrible. Yeah, it happens, man. It's the best of us. So it it can be challenging, but once you get a pretty good routine down, and you know what, I I I did my first year. I do all my numbers. I keep track of everything, betting, food, sales, everything. And I keep track of everything. And, and to watch it grow every year is very encouraging. You know, the rats tripled from last year to this year. Like they really did. Cocaine rat. Heck yeah. They're like cocaine bear. Dude, it was crazy. That rat was nuts, man. It jumped like four foot in the air. It was nuts. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. That's so it can be challenging, but you know what? I, I, I know I have to do it and I can't give it up. It gives me the freedom to only have to work two days a week, you know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, And being self-sufficient, man, it's a lot to say about that. Yeah. And I can't produce enough rats, man. I'd put another rack up. Like I have racks on wheels now in my walkway just to produce more volume just because I can't keep up. It's crazy. I could fill another 10 by 20 shed and probably just keep up. So uh, as far as getting like maximum production out of your rodents, do you have um, any tips for, for any of the species you breed? The rodents, yeah. As far as the rodents, um, just basically good air circulation, man. Good air circulation and good food. Good food and water. Make sure they always have water. Like if you can run a straight water line into it, that's the best. Like that's what we're gonna do. We're we're doing some renovations to the house, some additions and stuff, and we're gonna be redoing a deck. So I'm gonna run a hard water line right out to my rat shed, and I'm gonna run it up to a manifold inside the shed, and then just pipe it to every reservoir, so I can just go in and hit manifold one fills bucket one they just turn them on and they all fill independently it's not i now i have to run out there with a hose to fill everything so if it's freezing the hose is frozen so i have a special hose i have to hook up and run it so you know it can be done but to just have water in there on premises that's my biggest thing man airflow good food and water that's your biggest thing i mean they'll produce as crap they're rats they'll produce on the shittiest bedding but you, it, clean bedding is important as well. But they're rats. Like, always remember that. <laughs> they're, the, they're at the bottom, at the bottom of the food chain, you know? Have you ever had one escape uh, ARS, right? Mm-mm. Nah, never. Nah, them things are, them things are sweet. Everything about ARS is butter. That's what I use for the snake racks. I use for the rat racks. But the only complaint I have with them is that they're valves. So I use a square half-inch screen on my homemade racks, and the nozzles have a special clip that clips onto the half-inch perfect. It clips in the back, and it snaps in the front. They can't pull it down or push it up. Um, so they, sometimes they can pull it down, but 9 out of 10 times they can't knock it up and hit make the nozzle hit something and flood their tub. The Air S racks, they run on like a diamond pattern, almost like a um, like stainless steel, like the, the diamond mesh type. That's how the pattern runs in their screening. And they don't have any kind of tool that locks the valve in. It just pokes through. They need to make some sort of clip that locks that valve in. Because I've had times where they push that valve up and it gets caught in a different hook and just floods the tubs. And those ARS tubs are only, what are they? They might be not even a 28 quart. They might be like a F10 or something. So they're not big. They're, they're big, but they're not big. You know, they might be like size of 50. Actually, they're, yeah, they're exact same size of 5540, I think. I think they're the same size of 5540 hybrid. So they're long, you know, not super narrow, but 
a five gallon bucket, forget it. That's overflowing. You know, at least the Mason tubs will catch a five gallon bucket. Yeah. And that's, that's the other horror working with them right now. I have tank two five gallon buckets on the ARS racks doing the gravity fed water. So if one floods, that's 10 gallons of water that they're full. But every three days I got to fill that 10 gallons. One of them ARS for ARS racks blows through 10 gallons of water every like two to three days. If it's hot, I mean, a cotter pin. I, I did. I went out and bought a couple cotter pins, but you think if you spend $3,500 on a rat rack. What's the cotter pin? That's to hook onto the bottom of the valve so that the rats can't push it out. Oh, okay. So I bought a couple in case I have some rats that are pushing them out. I can put the cotter pin on there, but you you think, I love ARS rack. I'm not knocking them, but you think if they're selling a $3,500, $3,700 rack that they would provide some sort of instrument that would hold their bibs in. Just if anybody's listening that knows ARS, you hear that ARS <laughs> word out there, you know. The people um, have spoken. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm like, well, I'd love to put. I like to go away for a week. Like I'm coming down to Daytona, bro. We're bringing the whole family down. We're driving down from nice. Daytona in August, so like I'm super excited. You're going, right? Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Awesome, awesome, yeah. I'm so I'm so excited to hang out with everybody. We're bringing the whole family down. We're staying at the Hilton right on the beach, right where the when y'all getting there is. What's up? When, when will y'all be getting to Daytona? I, I, I don't know if we're coming in Wednesday or Thursday. We're coming okay, in. Like, we'll be there Thursday. Thursday you're going to be there? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, no, I definitely want to link up, hang out, chill. I mean, we got the kids, so we're going to be kind of limited to what we can do. But the wifey gets it. She knows how into it I am and how much I've been wanting to go to some of the bigger shows. So I think we'll be able to work with it and find something that works out good. And um, kids are tolerable. The young one likes the reptiles and stuff, but he can't come to the auction. I know that. <laughs> or our, our, our party on Friday night at D. Uh, well, that's I'm sorry, that's something in a Tidley. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked for Daytona. That should be a good trip. We're just doing a family vacation out of it, so we're staying right there on the beach. You know, we'll be there for a week, and then um, we're doing uh, we're doing Tinley too in October. Same. It's gonna be fun. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. We're gonna drive out there too. It's it's easier for us to drive, believe it or not, with the kids and everything. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you're right in that area. Yeah, and we're gonna like. We're gonna drive out and we're gonna we're gonna do Tinley and then I don't know if we're gonna like stay all day Sunday. We might leave a little early and do some wineries up one of the lakes. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly where we're staying. We're probably gonna get like a bed and breakfast and stay like a half hour outside the town or whatnot. But then we want to do the Reptarium. So anybody that's going to Tinley, if y'all want to get together, we get like ten people together. I know Big Mike's coming over from uh, London from UK. So okay. I know he was talking about wanting to do the terrar- terrarium, but I don't know how quick he wants to bounce after uh, Tinley. So I don't know if he's trying to leave like Sunday to get back to work Monday. But like if we can get a group of 10 people to do the terrarium Monday, we can do a private tour with Brian. It's like, I forget how much it was. It's reasonable. I think it's like 50 bucks a person. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, not bad at all. And you know what? It is cool. I, I met Brian in White Plains, like in 2014. I have a picture of him, me and him on his on the wall at the one show I seen him at in upstate New York. So like I haven't seen him since then. And like, come on, face it, everybody. He, you know, everybody watched him. That's how a lot of us came into this and watched his videos from the early snake bites and everything. You know, um, so you know it would be cool to go to the reptarium and see all the you know the changes and everything, and just take a group of people and just hang out. I, I don't know how long it is, but I'm sure you know. We went with a good group of people or whatnot. So anybody that's going to be attending, let's do it. Yeah, that'll be real dope. But you were saying something about uh, wanting to get away um, to go to Daytona, and it was rodent-related, and I cut you off. But what were you saying about that piece? 
Oh, um, you know, as of right now, like just running like the 10 gallons of water, those rodents, especially in August, they're going to burn through that in two days. So like if I'm going for a week, that's my biggest concern. You know what? The snakes, they're fine. August, I rarely, really have anything laying. If anything, we have stuff hatching and my buddy, Jason, the bee, he'll come over and, you know, he'll, he'll see what's hatching. He'll cut eggs. He'll do whatever needs to be done. You know, if it needs to be done, it's, it's you know, if it's a necessity. Um, but the rats, they're, they're the thing that keep me up at night, you know, or, or do they have food or they have water? Did, did somebody bump a nozzle? So like, I worry about them more when I'm gone than I do the reptiles. Um, so like you always think, like, do you want to put like a 56 quart or 56 gallon tub, like a huge sterilite tub up there? Oh man, if they flood that, then forget it. Like, you know what I mean? Your title wave it. So now I'm like, well, I'm going to add another bucket to it. And I don't want to add another bucket, but. It's like, where's that fine line of like, all right, how much water, if there's an issue, do you want spilling out and flooding stuff? Because, you know, you always got it. You always have that in the back of your mind with the rodents. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. The mammals take way more work, whether they got four legs or two legs. Yeah. (laughs) man. So thankfully I have have my cousin, he'll come over um, and he'll, he'll, he'll do the waters and maybe feed some if they have to, because some of the grow out tubs, if I pack them in there, if I have like 30 weans or 30 smalls that they eat and they go through food quick, man. So, yeah, but it works. Mm-hmm. It gets done, you know. And you're a distributor for the Chipper and for Pro Cocoa? Well, Chipper is the label. Uh-huh. Chipper is the Cocoa product. It's the Chipper. Um, <clears throat> it's all under the same uh, roof, but the Cocoa to Go just has its own name. Cocoa to Go, that's right. Oh, it's ready to go. You open that bag. Bang, you throw in your tub. It's triple wash. There's no fiber. There's no dirt. There's no dust. Um, it's awesome. Um, and even the block, I use a lot of the block because I only mix up as I go. Like, you know, we go back to routines. Like, it's not like every three months I shake down that whole rack. That's uh, not how I work, especially if females are breeding. I won't I won't change a female until she lays. You know, if I know she's not laying, if she's reabsorbed, if she's done anything and her cage is nasty, then I'll change it. I spot clean, though. I do all that, but I won't change the whole complete tub out until I know, you know, they're done or going. Um, So I use a lot of the block, and it's nice. It breaks up by hand. It's big chunk, but the block does have fiber and a little bit of dirt in it. But you don't need any water to break it up. You break it up by hand, you apply it, and then you add your water to it. So, like, I'll dump, like, half their water bowl on it or spray it down real good or whatnot a couple of times. Do you use the larger size or the smaller size? Or big both? chunk. Big, he, yeah. Last time I ordered my stuff, he only had the big chunk. It's um, it's the red label, I guess. It's black with, like, the red, red plaid through it. So, yeah, that's the one I primarily use. That's all I have right now. Um, I'm getting a pallet of the cocoa to go next week. So I'm gonna have that for our shows in March. I'll take some of that to the shows. So I got I got two tables at the Gettysburg show and two tables at the Oak show. Gotcha. So, yeah, we'll be using the chipper for almost probably about like nine months now. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, we've been using it like exclusively, and, and I awesome. like it. Yeah, awesome. We got we got the larger size chunks, and we got the smaller size chunks. Okay. Um, I use the larger ones. I like the larger ones for the larger tubs and i like the smaller ones for the smaller tubs all right you get it in the block right the, the 10 pound yeah. block you don't get the cocoa to go i haven't used it yet i might pick up some um soon um uh you know byron from sweet uh serpent stampa no is that who's your distributor is that who's closest to you yeah he's got some and so okay. like, i might link up with him and grab some i grabbed some from last time i grabbed for the first time i grabbed some i grabbed some from byron 
Okay. And then I got like I re-upped at the show last year. Right. And I got it like directly from uh Chris. Chris. Yeah, Chris. And then yeah. I'm probably linked up with Byron again or give it Chris or a little bit of both. Um uh, yeah, close for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if yeah. you go to the show, Chris will get it to you. And I mean, yeah. I don't think I think it's the same price. I don't think you can get any cheaper if you go to Chris. I think he retails it for the same. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No. And yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to get out finally meet him too at Daytona. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when I was down and hung out with you in September, I didn't get a chance to go that far down. Gotcha. I wanted to go down. I wanted to go down and hit up Kike. I wanted to go see Chris. I wanted to go see all that stuff, but I just couldn't do it. So I was glad I got to hang out with Adam and Keys, though. That was cool. Yeah, he was there. Uh, that's who. Uh, that's who I picked it from. From in Daytona, obviously. I just picked up like everything they had left. I was like, I'll we take had it on stupid sale too. Say again. He probably had it on a stupid sale too. Oh was, yeah. Oh was yeah. The blocks yeah. for it, like fifteen a piece, ten. I don't even think that. I think I got it for ten dollars a block. That's fucking smoking. I can't. Blocks <laughs> and I'm a distributor, dude. Till they put till they put freight on it and get it up here, man. It's ridiculous. I don't yeah. make. I really do not make anything on the cocoa. It's just kind of like, I I can provide bedding for my collection pretty much free. That's what it comes down to. So you know, it's it's a win. That's, that's worth it. In my opinion, absolutely. But to to give this cocoa to people, listen, don't talk about it. That that's enjoyable. I like the people at Cocoa to go. They really rave about that. Yeah, yeah. He they had like a a, a kiddie pool full of it. Did he? And it had been sitting out like the whole weekend, <laughs> and like it was still like moist. It still looked good. Like it yeah, like, it has a good ratio to it. The cocoa to go. Yeah, yeah. I, I had out shoe boxes to compare it at the shows. I put out a shoe box of the cocoa to go, and then the block broken up. And you gotcha. know, it, it definitely gets more attention. People, people want to touch stuff, man. You know, I can't tell you how many people stuck their hands in it and just <laughs> fondled the cocoa, man. You know, they look at you kind of weird. You know, I got, you got you. you. <laughs> I stuck my hand in the kiddie pool. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> you got to going back to the shows, man. Like that was one thing I wanted to also touch on. It slipped my mind, like not to jump subjects, but when you when you go to shows, even if somebody isn't buying an animal from your table, you talk to them. You make eye contact with them. You ask them, you know, like if they have an animal, if they're to purchase something, ask them what they got. Look, ask to see it. It, it. Show interest in them. Therefore, they will show interest in you. And that really helps a lot at your table when you're vending shows. Just be genuine and talk to people. Do that face to face, you know. Yeah. I really wanted to touch on that. When we were talking about the whole show thing. If you're going to mentor with somebody, you know. Yeah, I definitely got to get to more shows this year, too. Um, I've been slacking to be honest on shows and which is, is actually kind of embarrassing considering like how many shows are in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I haven't been to a show since Tinley. Oh geez. In October. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. There's one every weekend down in Florida. You guys are nuts. Damn near, damn near and not that far away. And so, uh, I just got to yep. gotta change kind of like my processes that way I can free up some time on the weekend to make it to a show. <laughs> At least one day, just get there for the Saturday, hang out, you know what I'm saying, talk to people. Yeah. Uh, get some FaceTime in, see some dope animals, stuff like that. Yep, yep. Jeremy loves the cocoa to go. Jeremy Warfel. Warfel. Yeah. yeah. I think he did a video from it, oh, yeah, about yeah. it. That's what put yeah. me on it. Yep, he compared them all. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame you won't, you won't be up this way during May, will you? Uh, no, I don't um, know when the next time I'll be up that way. Nice. Be well, you'll, um, 
May 6th, we're having a bash here in my place. So anybody in the tri-state area, Eastern PA, let me know. DM me. We're having, okay. like, we're having like a breeders get together. It's going to be a lot of local people like um, Richie's, oh, Richie's coming. Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Um, yeah, Phil, Finger Snakes, uh, Jeremy, DTMG, Infinite Possible Pythons. We're going to have a good good group of people up here. It's going to be an all oh, yeah. day. Just chill, get together, bonfire, kids, family, everything. That sounds lots like of, a lot of fun. Lots of food, and we're going to talk breeding, man. Nice. And then as his in July, I think he's yeah, doing going to go live. I'm yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to get everybody to go live on IG. Like I want, I want to crash IG, man. I want to see if we can get like 40, 50 people live on IG and just kind of like piggyback throughout the whole place at like four in the afternoon or something. Yeah, you definitely got to do that, bro. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked for that, man. Yeah. We're gonna throw horseshoes. We're gonna have everything, cornhole, all kinds of games, man. Just all outside chilling. Yeah, that'll be real fun. The weather got the weather's gotta weather's gotta be good. And then Jeremy, Jeremy does the same thing July first. He's having a summer cookout. Same thing. Everybody okay. Get together, hang out at Jeremy's house. He's out by Lancaster. Um, How far is that from you? It's a good two hours. He's a good two hour oh, hike. No, no, we'll go out early to spend the whole freaking day out there. And the kids usually crap out about eight o'clock, and that's cool. That's, that's what we call a hop, skipping, and jump down here. Yeah, right. No, I know. <laughs> Florida is a long state, man. Oh yeah. That, when oh, we yeah. were down there and we drove from Panama to Gainesville to meet you and, and that's the worst Orlando. that's the worst drive to that uh drive on I ten from uh, West Florida to get over here. I'd man. rather drive that than four though, man, through Orlando. Oh really? Screw four, man. Four is horrible. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Um yeah, we're trying to get uh Adam for proper royals to uh fly up on the uh Jeremy's place in July. Okay, okay, fun. yeah. Adam, I think he's trying to make a vacation to have it, like bring his family up. So that'd be pretty cool. We're gonna get a place like driving like the I-10 route. Like I just feel like we own it forever, forever. Yeah, it just takes so long to get off. It's like, man, finally we 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 somewhere different. Um, I haven't driven it in a while. I think last time we we drove it, either I was going to Mississippi or Louisiana. I can't remember which one, but both times it was just a long ass drive. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Oh, right, so you got any, uh, before we get out of here, um, I got a few uh, wrap-up questions for you. Okay. All right, man. So if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, geez, where would it be? I don't know. I've always I've always wondered what Bali would be like. Bali? Yeah, just being there. I have an old distant Italian relative that lives there. And I just always wonder what that would be like it's just with the, with the waters, just the temperatures, just, you know, the culture. And I don't know. I'm just be curious, curious. I would definitely want to visit it. And I think that would be interesting. I don't know if I'd, I don't know if I'd want to live there permanently, though. That's a tough one, man. That's a hard one. Yeah. I don't know. Texas, maybe. End up in Texas. Texas. Yeah, end up in there, you know. Everything's legal, you know. And you got the ocean, the Gulf. I really like the Gulf waters too. So if I said say stateside, I'd see, I'd say Texas. You know, somewhere gotcha. in the middle there. Gotcha. Somewhere in the middle on the uh, the Gulf Coast. Yeah. And so next one. So if you had ten million dollars to invest, uh, how would you invest it? Oh, geez, how would I invest it, man? 
at the point in life I'm in, I would probably put half of it in like mutual and IRA funds of some sort, probably like a Roth fund. And then um, something that would give me dividends yearly, not just, you know, build wealth. Um, and then I think the other half I would, um, I would definitely buy some real estate. I'd buy some more uh, rental incomes. You know, we have one um, right now and then uh, just just purchase another piece of property that's going to be kind of a rental slash personal use um, fishing vacation property type deal. So I would definitely, I would definitely spend some on, on some property that I can manage myself. I don't want to get too much that I have to pay somebody to manage it. Um, Cause I could do that myself. I feel, and then <laughs> uh, I would definitely invest probably a, a, a cool mill on snakes and, Maybe even more, a little bit more than a mill on snakes at facility. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I can only imagine what Canova spent on his facility. I don't even know what it is, but to be quite honest, I don't. I think it was like seven fifty or something like that. Don't quote me though. Seven hundred fifty k. Yeah, that's it. Oh wow, that's not too bad then. I think. Don't quote me. He yeah, no. the episode about it. It might have been on um snakes and the fat man leveling up series he might have talked about it on okay. there or it was on a different podcast but for some reason 750k is the one that is the number that's standing out of my head that i don't yeah. remember that's not too bad and i would i would definitely do something but i would not go that large i don't feel i don't think i want to be quite that big i think i i think my cap for what i want to handle because i really don't want to have to pay somebody because i'm very meticulous at how i do things i like to do it my way and somebody might get the job done but it's not how i did it you know occasionally you know you gotta you gotta remember that though that everybody's a little different and the job can get done different ways you know you, you gotta right. be able to do that when you have employees but i think i'd like to you know i'd like to cap it at what i can handle personally between me and my wife and with the boys getting older you know we we could possibly do 60 75 clutches so gotcha that's gotcha. everything that's boas that's you know bloods pituophis everything a follow-up question on that like um, it was something I meant to ask earlier, but uh, we can talk about it right now, real quick. So, do you have is that it's going to be that's your cap? Is that somewhere you're shooting towards? Um, getting to that number of clutches and litters? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think if I were to like maximize and move out to the other room, I think we could get close to that number because I could probably fit another one or two ARS racks in there. But you got to remember, with every adult rack you add in, you're adding you know a baby rack, so at least a baby rack you know so you got to keep that in mind um so i i think that's the, the end result but you know i have other dreams and ambitions too you know i wouldn't i wouldn't mind getting another like a detached car garage and doing it you know a little uh which we'll call it in there a whole uh, facility in there gotcha. you because know, we got the property to do it. it's just a matter of permits and stuff like that um my neighbor has a little house that's like not falling apart but like it's it's gonna sell cheap it's right next to me. It's on great property. Like, you know, uh, I might be saving up for a rainy day that, you know, Lord, God bless him, but we all don't live forever. This is inevitable. You know, that property comes up for sale. It'd be amazing to have your snake facility right next door, your property, you know, and your breeding sure. facility right there, you know? So it's always, it's sense. always, always things that are going through my mind, you know? So it makes perfect sense. I will tell, but I definitely need to expand. And this is one of my favorite questions. So, if you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would it be, and why? Oh, man. You knew it was coming. <laughs> Dude, this one, this one's been bugging me out for like months, man. Uh, the, the 
the guarantees, Marilyn Monroe. That's number one. She she just I don't know something about her, man. I don't know a whole lot about her. But I would like to learn more about her, but it's just I don't know, just just fine. She just seemed classy. She was just natural. It just looked like a good time. Just looked like a fun person. Um, just just because of all that, just her spirit. Like I think her spirit was just genuine. You know, just it just seems like from the pictures and everything. So gotcha. Her um, man, that's tough. I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I think Michael Jackson would be interesting just to see what went on, you know, in that man's head for, you know, an hour or two or however long dinner would take or whatever dinner would consist of with him. Who knows, you know? What's <laughs> one question you would ask him? Who knows what it could be? Um, what was his favorite animal? I mean, I kind of know the answer, I think, but I it, maybe maybe it's not what holds true, you know. So it's because I'm an animal guy. So that maybe we could bond on that. Maybe that's how our two-hour conversation would just be about the weird animals that he bought. Well, his stupid rich money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably about it. Um, and then three, who else? You know, as sadistic as it sounds, uh, Hitler. I think that, that that's another guy that man, like what what goes on in somebody's head to think to do stuff and and do things like that to to human beings. So, you know, in one somebody else said something similar. It yeah, might have even been Hitler. In one mind, it's like I don't remember hearing it, but like one mind, it's like what what would possess you to do that? What what do you think of? Are you are, were you that were you that like blazed out of your head on on drugs and stuff? I know what rumors have been and stuff like that, but like. When you when you roll through, you ever been to the Holocaust Museum in DC? I have not, dude. It, you got to make a point to go to DC and visit some of those museums and stuff like that. My brother lives in DC for a while, and I visited him quite often, and we did a bunch of that stuff. And yo, that that Holocaust Museum, man, it hits different. It hits different. And you go in there, man. It it, it definitely makes you just like your eyes. You come out, you're like, wow. So I think you know it'd be scary to have dinner with him, but I think it would be something very, you know, to very interesting. Gotcha. Definitely okay. listen. So, yeah. Just to, just to see what kind of will go on with a mind. Somebody to think that that's okay. Right. First question. Like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, bro. <laughs> like, come on. what? <laughs> My feelings hurt when I kill a fuzzy rat. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's wild, bro. All right, so one question you wish that would have asked you, and how would you have answered it? Wish that you would have asked me. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I thought about this one a little bit, too. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you'd get it, but then I thought maybe you'd get it. What new species am I breeding this year? What new species are you breeding this year? <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, so I would say it's kind of like a, a sub. So I bred pine snakes before, northern southerns. Um, but this year is gonna be the first for northern Mexicans and Louisiana pines. And Louisiana pines are on the same kind of like CITES list that like the Jamaican bubbles are on. So like I can't ship you Louisiana pines or black pines. I can only sell them in the state of Pennsylvania. I I, I can send them and ship them to you, but we have to fill out the proper paperwork and go through a fishing game. But who knows with you being in funky Florida? I know, right? So just say in theory, could I drive up there, buy it from you, and drive back? Or 
will we be no, breaking the law? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna face federal charges for it. Okay, so it is against the yeah. law. That's why I was getting it. Yep. They were, they were, the rumor had it at one of the Hamburg shows, they were pinching down on some dudes because technically if you come up to me at a show and want to purchase a black pine snake or a Louisiana pine snake, I'm supposed to ask you for ID. But as a seller, I don't feel that's my responsibility. I feel that the responsibility should be on the purchaser knowing that they're out of state buying the animal. Like that's almost like entrapment. Like, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I shouldn't have to babysit other people that know about i don't know about the species I, I feel like it should educate everybody but i don't feel like it should fall fall back on the seller but i don't know what the exact like rules are on them i don't sell them out of state i'm going to look into it this year since i do have two species that are going to be available so that's going to be probably eight to 16 babies you know that's for a, a specific animal it's a lot to move within the state if you don't know people that want them gotcha yeah yeah, that's that's good to know. So, is there anything else uh, you want the listeners to know? Um, anything you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, uh, check me out on Morph Market. I still have some animals up available. I only have like one pine snake left. I have some bloods left. Um, I'm gonna be working out a deal real soon. Um, on some of the sponsorship channels, I'm a sponsor a few channels. Um, so we're gonna change some stuff around and offer some uh, specials to try to move out some of these 22 animals. Um, so you know, check us out on Morph Market inquire if you're looking for something in 23 um that you know you, you can't find anywhere else or that you think we might be working with just for pictures on ig or whatnot check us out on there but um yeah other than that um just looking forward to the future this season and yeah where it's going to take us seeing what everybody does i want to see what that uh clown hypo project where you're taking that i'm excited for that yeah, man, I'm. I'm. That's that's one of my favorite projects. You probably heard me say it like before. I, but, I know man, we got to bump heads on that one day. Seriously, oh, yeah, sure. get get in deeper you know, and see where you're going. Because like, yeah, yep. we can definitely we can, we can swap it out. Yeah. We can help each other and, and advance. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. I love that project. Love, love, love that project. And that's what it's all about. You know what? Like, I do need to make a quota because this is going to be providing my livelihood. But at the end of the day, to help other people out and make trades and, you know, just do the right thing and falling back on the customer service, man. Take care of the people that buy animals from you because you're not always going to be right on the sex that you sell animals with all the genes at play. We're only theoretically IDing animals. You're going to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Just it's out there. There's plenty of help out there. Don't, you know, try to run as straight as you can and, and take care of people if you do make mistakes because it goes a long way. I recently, had, I recently had a transaction happen like that, and and the guy came out on top, went above and beyond what I expected him to do for me because of the the minor thing. It was a wrong sexed animal. It's gonna set me back a few years, and he made right with it. And um, you know, if I'm looking for something, guess whose page I'm gonna go to first? Yeah, exactly. And you know, keep it in your crew. You know what I mean? Like if you gotta tighten it. Tighten it to people you you hang out with and talk to on a regular. Always look what they have available first. You know, always look for them first. You know, keep it in the family. I'm a, I'm a big believer on that. I'd much rather do business with you. I'd much rather do business with Keys. I'd much rather do business with Jeremy, Chatty. You know, everybody that the whole family that we've built on this platform. You know, definitely. And and hundred percent, bro. Meet them in person to meet people in person. That's key, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Right. That, that goes such a long way. Mm -hmm. right. Yep. So it's so much more comfortable sitting and going through a show with somebody that you've already met before and chatted it up with, you know? Yeah. 
it just flows great. A hundred percent, bro. A hundred percent, man. It's been great tonight. Uh, it's been spectacular. I really appreciate you taking your time uh, to come out here and chat with us uh, tonight. Definitely been looking forward to it. Really enjoyed meeting you and the family uh, a few months back. Uh, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to Daytona. Yeah. In Tinley. Yeah, it's going to be dope. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. for that, man. In-person meetings go a long way, man. It's, it's so much fun just, like, kick it back and, and relax and hang out with people and, and get to know people, network, mm-hmm. uh, talk, chat it up. Like, it's, it's, it's dope, man. So, yeah, there's so many people. Uh, soon. So, so many people you just want to, you know, just see in person and just, you know, embrace, you know, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Looking forward like, to it. I love social media that it gives us like a way to connect when we can't like be in person and we don't have to wait into those in person events, but it's definitely not a substitute for the in person stuff. It just really supplements it. Yep. If that makes sense. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Definitely, bro. Love uh, have, had a lot of fun, man. Uh, all the listeners, appreciate y'all for coming out tonight. Appreciate you, all the support uh, each and every week. Definitely uh, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, uh, hit that notification bell. Make sure you're following Chris everywhere. Follow him on IG. Are you on TikTok? I do. I did a little bit on TikTok here and there, and then I kind of ran out of time because I went back to work full time. But now things are kind of stabilized, and so I'm gonna try to get throw some more stuff on there. I'm trying to get a little bit more creative with stuff. I'm really working hard, but I need, I need, I need the wifey to push me and motivate me a little more. So I got, I keep kicking her butt in the butt to push me and push me. But yeah, so we're we're working on it. But yeah, we got TikTok. Gotcha. So like, I made this video probably a month and a half ago, and so I don't remember what links I dropped in the description. But okay. it's definitely links in the description uh, to your stuff that I find at that time. So definitely, y'all make sure y'all go follow them on all platforms. Uh, thank y'all for coming out. Can you hang hang around for about forty uh, seconds uh, while Absolutely. out there plays, and then we'll we'll kick it in the back. Yeah, hey, going out. Anybody sees anything on Morph Market? Contact me, DM me, let me know. Free shipping. Anybody oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, thank y'all for coming out. Be blessed. Peace. Later, y'all.